get ready to throw perfection out the window because you're tuned in to the Honestly Imperfect podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Penhorwood, and I'm a marketing coach and the founder of Harper Collective, where I help business owners master their PR and simplify their marketing. Each week, we'll be unlocking valuable tips to up-level your business and sharing honest conversations with entrepreneurs to uncover their stories and wisdom to inspire you to take action. Now let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome back to the Honestly Imperfect podcast. I am so thrilled to bring you today's conversation with best-selling author, visionary entrepreneur, and founder of the brand stylist, Fiona Humberstone. Fiona is passionate about empowering entrepreneurs to create exceptional brands, and she runs inspiring online courses, game-changing workshops, and highly sought-after retreats in some pretty dreamy locations. And I was so excited to delve into this conversation with Fiona today because if there is one thing that she does so well, it's building intentional businesses. I feel like Fiona's business is really built around the life that she wants to live and it's truly designed to put her priorities first, which I think is so inspiring for other business owners to see modelled. And I'm so excited for you to hear how she shares the ways that she's grown her business and her insights for other entrepreneurs on how they can do the same. So let's dive into the episode. I know that you're going to gain so much from this, so I won't keep you waiting any longer. Welcome to the Honestly Imperfect podcast, Fiona. I am so looking forward to this chat with you today. I have loved your work over the years and it's been such a guiding light for me. Whenever I feel like my brand gets influenced or swayed in the wrong direction, I'll pick up your book and I'll go, no, this is what I want to create. This is the business that I want to build. So thank you and a big warm welcome to the podcast today. Wow. Thank you. And thanks for asking me. Can you give us a glimpse into your world and the work that you do today with business owners? Yeah. So I run a company called The Brand Stylist, and it's all about empowering entrepreneurs and brand designers to create really extraordinary brands. And you've built a thriving design business. You've written two design books, hosted retreats in the most dreamy locations, (laughs) all while creating a really extensive online offering as well. Firstly, how do you find time? Like, how do you stay grounded in the day to bring all of this to life? I think it's a few things. So I had a design agency before, which I set up when my eldest was 15 months, I think. And so from the start of being an entrepreneur, so Ellie's now, well, she'll be 19 probably by the time this comes out. From the start, my business has always been based around the children. And and I've always been quite clear that my family comes first. So I think that's a really key part of kind of staying grounded and remembering why you're doing it and staying immune to all the outside pressures that come from other people's idea of how you should run a business. And I guess the other thing is that when I set up the brand stylist in 2014, I'd already run a business. So I already knew and I'd sold that when I had my third child, I already knew what I liked about running a business, what I didn't like, what I wasn't prepared to put up with again, what was absolutely non-negotiable. 
And so I could just start the brand stylist from this place of knowing exactly what I wanted it to look like. So it's all built around work that really inspires me, that I love doing, that I know I'm good at. And I don't do work that I don't think I'm good at. So I don't have that sort of imposter syndrome going on the whole time. I'm always leaning into my creative edge, which keeps it fun and inspiring. But I also take every holiday off with the kids. So, you know, I can work really hard because it's only a six week stint. And then I've got between a week and six weeks off. And when you first did that transition into creating the brand stylist, where did you first start? Yeah, well, it's funny because I thought this is the brand stylist is called that because at the time blogging was really big. And I thought I would be the blogger that was blogging about people styling their brands. So I knew I was going to write a book and I probably either started or thought about, you know, I was about to start. So that was always on the horizon. And I actually started with consultancy. So I had someone ring me out of the blue and I just started doing brand consultancy. I started with a few workshops. So I teamed up with a friend who had a big florists blog. So we did social media for florists, branding for florists. And I ran some color psychology workshops and it just kind of grew from there. And what are some of the ways, because you help business owners find clarity, bring their vision to life so well, do you find it just as effortless in your own business? No, (laughs) no, I don't think anybody does. No, I think it's hard because I thank you for saying it's effortless. One of the reasons that it it comes so naturally to me when I'm working with a client is because I have that objectivity and that clarity and I can cut through all the noise. So I don't have to know everything that every client's ever said about their service. I can just kind of pick through the, the headlines and use my experience to find the clarity. And that's much harder when it's your own business. But If you know what questions to ask and you have the right process, I guess, to work through, then effortless is not quite the right word, (laughs) but it's very doable. And is there anything looking back now in the journey that you've been on that you wish that you started doing a little bit sooner? No, no, not at all. I think everything I've done has come at the right time. And it's when I develop a product, it's because... I'm inspired to do it. And because I've heard that there's a need for it within my client base. So no, I think it's all just come at the right time. You recently had the debacle of losing Instagram for a hot minute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Was there anything that you sort of learned from that experience about your community and the community that you've built and Really, I mean, you've built this incredible community, I'm sure, both over your email database and on social media. Is there anything that you took away from that experience? Yeah, I mean, loads, loads and loads. And I suppose the biggest thing is that, well, I say this and I'm not really actioning it. Instagram isn't really the place I want to hang out anymore. You know, they they just have, I'm not going to say no interest because actually in the end, the person that helped me get it back up and running was an employee of Instagram. So it's not fair to say they've got no interest. But ultimately what happened was someone hacked my Facebook account. I had two-factor authentication set up on my Instagram, but not my Facebook because I don't use it. 
And because they posted such via, I mean, I don't know what they posted, but we can probably all imagine what they posted. That meant I was kind of blacklisted by Instagram as well, because it's all owned by Facebook. And so I wasn't welcome. And there is literally no comeback, as in there is no way, there's no way you can get it back. And I'd been quite sick of Instagram for a very long time. I think it's not the fun, supportive, inspiring place that it was. It's become, it's just not fun. But I am on there because I'm doing up my house and I find the interiors and the garden creators really inspiring. So I'm kind of on there more for that than my own business now and and to share the house renovation Suddenly I lost all that content and I was more upset about, you know, not being able to see how far we'd come with the house in a year and all the IGTV videos I'd created than I was really about my platform because my platform is not what it was on Instagram at all. So, yeah, I guess I learned, well, I learned the power of my email list because like you say, it was my community that brought it back together. So I sent out a few emails and Someone on my newsletter list has a son-in-law that works for Instagram. And because she could vouch for me, he could then get my Instagram back. But had I not had that tenuous personal connection, I wouldn't have got it back. There's no process in place. So, yeah, I think the power of a list that you pay for, you know, I pay for Flowdesk. So if something goes wrong, you know, they've got an obligation to help me. I mean, yeah, like you say, just the power of the community and and also how many people come out of the woodwork and say, oh, but we really love your posts or we really love your content because people don't really like stuff anymore, do they? Well, not in the same way as they used to So, And is there anything looking forward? Because what I really love is the way that you market your business. It's not typical. It feels sort of like an extension of you and it's very inspiring to watch because I feel like you really stay in what feels true to you. So looking forward, what are some of the ways that you want to market your business and continue to grow your community? Are there any different things that you're thinking about? Good question. I mean, I've I've been making like a conscious effort to lean into my newsletter for about 18 months. So luckily that was all in place before the Instagram debacle happened. And I'm not really seeing Instagram as a marketing tool anymore. So it might be something I share, something that I'm inspired by, but I'm not looking at it as something that's going to generate business for me anymore. So email newsletter, blogging, SEO was one of the big things to come out of my Instagram debacle. And I'm working with this fab lady that I've known for years called Zoe. And she says she hates search engine optimization. She hates that word. She calls it website optimization. And I thought that's such a good point because actually I've got quite a massive website and a really big online academy as well. And so I spent about a month optimizing my website because what's the point of paying to get people to my website if when they get there everything isn't as clear and as well structured and as you know so I'm starting to be a bit more strategic about my I hate the word marketing funnels but just how I do things you're right you know lots of the way I market my business is all about inspiration and creating content and being enthusiastic and sharing that And that can sometimes mean that 
you know, I'm never going to get into lead gen copy. I'm never going to get into like turning the screw on people, but I, I could perhaps be a bit more proactive about <laughs> how I guide people through my site than I am. And I'm still not done with that. And then when I've done that, I will look into Pinterest. I will look into SEO, but I kind of think the first step for me has to be website optimization and making sure that everything is as clear and as kind of well presented, not just from a design point of view, but from a clarity and copy and people looking at this page thinking, oh, I really want to buy that because it looks amazing. And thinking about your community and the businesses that you work with, especially at the moment, is there any challenges that you're seeing? There's a bit of a common thread that maybe you could offer some words of wisdom on that you think could really help listeners? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it's like for you guys down under, but <laughs> certainly here and certainly here. You know, it's tough at the moment. So we've got a cost of living crisis going on. People's fuel bills have kind of doubled, trebled. Everyone's freaking out about that. Mortgage rates have gone through the roof. And that's on top of the climate crisis that's going on and everything that's come off the back of COVID, which I know you guys had much worse than we did in lots of ways. Certainly, yeah, I've got a client in Australia and and she's Melbourne and they've literally been in and out of lockdown like permanently, haven't they? So I think it's a really unsettling time, isn't it? And I think that that can have a knock-on effect on people's confidence and how confident they feel in investing in their businesses or themselves, whatever it is that you sell. I'm luckily now old enough to have steered my business through three or four recessions. And I kind of know that it doesn't last forever. So the key thing is people start retracting, they stop buying, you freak out, you stop buying. And you know, we can get into this really negative spiral. So I think the key thing is you look within and you hone what you're doing. So look at, you know, how can I make my product or service better? How can I present it better? Doesn't mean you go off discounting left, right and centre, although you might do something to encourage people to kickstart that. In fact, I did a whole podcast episode on quick wins for challenging times. So we came up with loads of ideas because I think so much of this is a mental game. So, so much of it is about you staying inspired, staying positive, staying creative, staying loving what you're doing. And that becomes infectious. And I love how you said so much of it is a mental game, which I feel is also where business owners can struggle. You know, when you yeah. turn on the news, I'm lucky we don't watch the news in my yeah, house because it's news. just... <laughs> It's not worth it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, what are you going to gain? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, whatever I need to know, I'll find yeah. out. But yeah. if they feel like they're getting stuck in maybe a bit of a scarcity spiral or a bit of mm-hmm. overwhelm, are there any yeah. tools that you use if you find yourself in that space? Yeah. Well, first thing is get outside. You know, literally get outside, go for a walk. I mean, you were very kind because we were meant to meet 15 minutes earlier than we did. And (laughs) that is because uh, my dog ran off on the morning walk. But that like non-negotiable thing of being in nature. So I'm very lucky because my garden backs onto a woodland. So if I find myself spiraling, literally going for a walk, 
and just being in nature. I mean, you're lucky because you've still got leaves on your trees. Ours aren't out yet. But, you know, that thing of getting outside, do something creative. So, you know, whether that's sewing or painting or cooking or, you know, it might be going for a run, but doing something that that just grounds you, but also feeds your inspiration and your creativity. And then, you know, I have a folder on my email that I've always had with nice things that clients have said. So you you can be looking through that. But I think it's then, it is that thing of reminding yourself how amazing your product and services and not blowing smoke up your bum, also looking to make sure that it genuinely is as good as it can be. Because what tends to happen in these challenging times is it throws quite a harsh light on what's working and what's not. You know, we need to see that as an opportunity to really tighten up on what we're doing. So looking at your process, looking at your customer service, looking at the quality of what you're delivering, what's the experience like? And and you can make it really fun. The other thing that I did in January, which had a, we recorded this quick wins because lots of my clients were telling me that they were finding it tough. So I wanted to record quick wins. And then what I found was to market quick wins, I had to be talking about how tough it was. And I didn't think it was tough. And then suddenly by talking about how tough it was, it got me in a bit of a spiral for a few days, uh, which was not fun. So I did all the things I've just talked about. But the other thing I did, and this was the big thing that turned it around for me, was, and this inspired a cherishing your clients episode. But so I'm very good at knowing who the people are that show up at my workshops or my retreats or my, you know, the consultancy clients. But I have this whole design school, branding school, and I see certain names pop into my inbox when they sign up to a new course or a seminar. But what was really interesting was I did this exercise where I went through and I looked at who's who's spent the most money, basically, who are the top 50 people that spent the most money and what can I do to say thank you to them? You know, it sounds so glib, be grateful, but it was, I can't tell you how inspiring it was. I just sent them a note and a nice thing in the post. And I reckon about half the names I recognized and half the names I didn't. I mean, these are people that have supported my business. And I found that so inspiring, this idea that I would be connecting with them and I'd be finding out more about them. And that was really positive and powerful for me. That's so beautiful. I love that. And I love like when you have those moments where you come back and you actually take a moment to pause and think about your clients. And I do this yeah. sometimes. I'm big on nature walks. I've got a border collie, so I have no choice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll just think about how much I do cherish my clients and the beautiful things they've said and the opportunities that they've opened up for me. And it immediately brings you back into that place of feeling expansive instead of yes, feeling It does. Yes, it's exactly that. And you you see everything you've got rather than what you have decided you haven't. One thing that I know listeners are going to be looking at your business and thinking you have attracted so many beautiful brands and entrepreneurs into your circle. If they're wanting to do the same thing for themselves and maybe they're just starting out, what would be your top tips on getting started with creating that community around their brand? Oh, that's, I love that question. I think it's twofold, right? I think some of it comes from authenticity, being passionate about what you do, having expertise. 
I think there's this real push from certain sectors, particularly coaches or or, or certain sector of coaching, that you need this instant expertise overnight and you need to create this instant business. And I think, you know, if you want to build a genuine community and you want that to last, it has to come from a place of expertise and finding your magic. So find out what thing it is that you do better than anybody else and lean into that. And you might not have all the answers right now. You might not be the best expert in the world today, but just, you know, hone that craft. Don't don't think that that's a waste of time and you need to be racing towards the top because actually there's a lot to be gained from just being there. So I think it's that. It's about sharing your passion, your wisdom, your expertise, connecting with people. I think always seeing them as people rather than an audience or every time I write an email, I'm writing to one person that I know and I'm trying to listen to what people need and I'm trying to respond to that. And the other side of that is is really about not losing sight of that. So every time you harass people with your lead gen copy, you're pushing them away. You're, you're breaking that connection. You're setting up a different kind of relationship that's based on fear. And that's, in my experience, not how sustainable communities are built. I love that. And it reminds me of something a close friend of mine once told me, she said, you're building really solid foundations. So yes. it's like building a really solid house and you're putting brick by brick and then eventually yeah. you'll have a castle or a cottage, yeah. whatever you desire. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like thinking about it that way because there is so much of this instant gratification yeah. or quick wins yeah. or all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's nice to just go, okay, block by block. And that might be going, I'm going to host a local workshop with business owners and that could be the first one and then it builds from there. So I think that's really beautiful. And lastly is what's inspiring you at the moment? So behind the scenes, away from the business, what's really igniting that inspiration within you? It design again, but I think in the interior, less so garden space, although I love I love gardening, but I don't feel like I know enough about garden design. So, but interior design, I'm really enjoying and I'm really enjoying how everything I've learned about colour psychology and design crosses over. And so I've created this home that I absolutely love and I'm really enjoying it. I mean, we're about the builders have gone, they've been gone for a year, but we are only about halfway through the decoration piece. I'm really enjoying it. And what I'm hoping is that I can get a cottage through the brand stylist that becomes like the brand stylist cottage that I rent out that I would Ooh. fix up and do up, which would just that. So I'm really inspired about that side of things at the moment. My mind is already thinking of all the all the possibilities. <laughs> so that's exciting. I can already see yeah. like your own interiors line with your style and everything. How cool would that be? <laughs> we'll just put it out into the universe and see yeah. what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much today. I have loved this chat and I know that it's going to inspire so many other business owners. So I'm really grateful for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's lovely to meet you. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love if you could leave a review or share a screenshot to Instagram and tag at Honestly Imperfect Podcast so that I can pop on over and say hello. I can't wait to connect with you again soon.